Well, it wouldn't be the Super Bowl season if we weren't talking about a certain number 12. This is the push-off. Welcome to a new episode of the Push Off Podcast, your favorite weekly NFL show that discusses everything that happened last week while it gets you ready for the next. I'm your Scott. I'm your host, Scott Ogan, and joining us as always, it's Dan getting into smoking cigars. Right. You are our Scott Hogan, though. I, I am your Scott Hogan. I'm a, you know, I'm here for you, the listener. Uh you're getting into smoking cigars. No, not really. I mean, I'm, I've never... I've smoked like a, a few cigars joke. in my life, strangely okay. enough. Uh, I, never enjoyed it. It's more of a status thing than anything. I don't know. I mean, my Uncle Bob used to be really into them, but not for me. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I, I don't... It was never a thing for me, because uh, you're just like holding the... You're tasting the smoke and, and, yeah. and moving it around in your mouth. It's interesting. Anyways, but a certain Joe Burrow is... Mm-hmm. He had a Has good week. A flavor, Cohibas. Yeah. Uh, amazing uh, run here for the Bengals. Amazing run for the Rams. Hey, we have our Super Bowl. It's all set up. It's all set up and ready to go. <sighs> it's good stories either way. A win or a loss tells you a lot about. I mean, listen. You're listening to the push off. You're a football fan. You know how these games ended. You know who the Super Bowl is. Yeah, we'll break it down. But you, we can talk about. It. It's either going to be the crowning achievement of Matt Stafford's career or the beginning of the legend of Joe Burrow in the NFL. Yeah. It's one of those two things. I think if Burrow loses, it's not nearly as damning as Stafford losing. You know, so there's there's the emotional thing of like if Stafford loses, there's no telling he's gonna get back here again. True. Burrow, yeah. we've we talked about this a little bit. I know he's twenty five. And so you should have, you know, a 10-year window to get back. But it's tough to get back, man. So you got to capitalize on this opportunity. Either one of these quarterbacks, this is your legacy. This is your legacy. Yeah, it's very fun there. Um, Okay, so well, let's – yeah, we're going to talk about those games. We're going to talk about what's to come. we got two good weeks here to talk about the Super Bowl coming up now. So uh, we'll we'll dive deep into it, uh, of course. But uh, I guess let's start with the news of the week. Um, I don't know if we talk about it now. We talk about it next episode. But the rumor on the, the horizon that Tom Brady's retiring. In fact, it has been already said by ESPN, by NFL.com, you know, by all the bigwigs. Look, listen, in our eyes, he's retired. <laughs> um, I mean, had, I agree. He, he is. Yeah. It's just there's two things that keep us from making this official. One, he hasn't made it official. And two, there's about $15 million sitting after February 4th uh, that he kind of needs to claim. And if he retires before that, it's it's just giving away money. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's, so th- I, that's what I assume this is, too, is that report that came out that he had a $20 million signing bonus, prorated 15 of it for February 4th, which means this is a way for the Buccaneers to get it on next year's books so it doesn't hurt him so much from the years that he was on the team. Him retiring a year before his contract is up is technically meaning that he doesn't get that if he retired a week before it was set to be paid out. Could the Buccaneers go, listen, we get it, they get it, it, this is silly, here's the money, and off to sunset, enjoy your retirement? Or, you know, could they do that? They they could, but it would hit them this year. Oh, okay. That's okay. the issue. It would still hit That's him this the year. issue. So, they, yeah, they, the Buccaneers, you'll, you'll notice that the Buccaneers have not been like, listen, we'll pay Tom Brady that bonus. The Buccaneers are like, yeah, 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 no, we need you to fucking wait until the fourth, buddy. Like, this this is good for everybody all are the way sure, around. Are you sure, Tom? So, are you sure? Yeah. yeah. Are you sure, buddy? But, yeah, I think this will be this will be the news of the Pro Bowl. It'll be official by then. Uh, but I also don't think – there's a part of me that thinks Tom Brady – didn't I mean maybe he's a narcissistic psychopath? That's possible. He didn't strike me that way. He strikes me as an arrogant lunatic, but not a narcissist, not a me 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 guy. <laughs> I think he would have preferred to wait until after the Super Bowl. 
okay. for all of this to come out. Um, that being said, if you're not going to wait until after the Super Bowl, the week of the Pro Bowl is a good time to dump it. Yeah. I um, think that's really nice, yeah. Yeah, this is not a bad time. If he if he makes it official by Friday or Saturday at the latest, I'll say to myself, "Hey, that's a nice way to go out. You you let everybody get a week of, you know, rest and relaxation looking back on the year, and then you leave a, a week open to just really focus on the on the Super Bowl coming up." So, I think he's probably retired as of this next the next recording of this podcast. It's probably official, but uh, I I would be at this point stunned beyond stunned if he came back for another season. Yeah. Um, let's say this then. So let's hold off the talking about his career, sending him off in the sunset until he actually does it. Uh, we'll be on for the off season to talk about everything else. So you know, it gives us something there because there's plenty to talk about with Tom Brady hanging it up. I, I'm with you. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen here in the next week or so. I feel like also too, the idea of it being broke on a Saturday afternoon instead of him getting a chance to do a press conference type of thing set up is something too he'd rather do. Um, yeah, I think this was uh, somebody in his inner circle was like, yeah, he's done. And they're like, great, we're running with it then because this guy knows. And he did know, but he didn't want to do it that way. It was jumping the gun for a few people, uh, you know, Schefter and them included. And and whoops, we got we to gotta backtrack it for a little bit here to make sure business gets done. And I, I think it's interesting because you'll know who that person was because they'll have fucking stitches because they're <laughs> goddamn snitches. <laughs> it's right. also a good way to root out who in your inner circle. Like, I would be giving, like, false leads to people. You know, I'd be telling, like, one group of guys that I wasn't sure about. I'd be like, no, nah, man, I'm fucking coming back next year. I'd be telling other people, like, no, nah, man, it's official. I'm retired. I just haven't done the paperwork yet. I see which one gets out. Yeah. And then I'm like, smoked. You fucking smoked out. Well, Stay away from is- my family. Stop kissing them he's proven that he can still play. So the the point of retiring, you know how retiring works as a quarterback. If the Buccaneers look pretty good and are like, well, you know what? We could just use a quarterback here for week 16 on Tom could probably come off retirement and come play. If somebody oh, yeah. else needed a quarterback, he'd have to figure out a way out of the Buccaneers last, you know, year of his contract if he returned. But Brett Favre retired twice. You know, how many of these quarterbacks came back when somebody was needed? So I believe the retirement is an idea here and a plan, but that does not necessarily mean we've seen the last of Tom Brady on the field. I think it really depends on how quickly he moves into that next thing. Like when Drew Brees retired, one, we got to see Drew Brees' arm was falling off his shoulder. So Mm -hmm. to your point, that's not happening with Brady. But Drew Brees immediately signed a deal with NBC. If Brady retires and then immediately signs some fucking deal with, like, Gold's Gym, or are they even still around, <laughs> you know, like, just decides, I'm going to be this guy now. Like, Peyton Manning has kind of gone off into the sunset in the best possible way. Yeah. Where he's like, I'm just a personality now. Come find me and give me money for things. Um, so it really depends on what his next step is, how long it takes. Because, to your point, if, if it's June, July, and... You know, say wherever Byron Leftwich goes, if it's not Jacksonville, wherever, you know, whatever's going on in Tampa Bay, if they can't get another uh, Hall of Fame quarterback, potentially getting Rodgers, if they can't get somebody else to fill that role, yeah, I, I can see him going, wait, you mean I don't have to do off season? Right. I can just come back in whenever? All right, sign me the fuck up. Yeah, we want so. time right now for the for the playoff games. You know how to play in playoffs, right, Tab? Yeah, I do. Um we do have a retirement that actually happened. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. this is one we've also already kind of talked about. But Ben Roethlisberger, officially, yeah. he has retired from the Football League. A much younger man than Peyton Man, or sorry, Tom Brady, but <laughs> uh, shot out, just physically toast. Like, you know, we were watching the last couple games of his career going like, oh, if this isn't the last year, it's not for Pittsburgh. He's done. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a Hall of Famer. There's all, I mean, let's get to it. There's always going to be the rape stuff. Um, And generally, I mean, that's not a great way to describe somebody in any regard. Be like, hey, uh, my buddy uh, Byron's coming to the party. Oh, yeah, how is he? Oh, he's a fucking great guy. Except for the rape stuff, he's fucking great. And you're (laughs) like, wait, what? That's a huge fucking thing. Like, he's going to be a Hall of Famer because he has to be a Hall of Famer. Because we're talking about the play on the field. We're talking about the longevity of career. Of course he's a fucking Hall of Famer. I would not be shocked if he is not a first ballot Hall of Famer. 
because that tends to be the way you punish guys with issues. It's how T.O. got punished for all his fucking antics. I think I wouldn't be shocked to see Ben Roethlisberger not a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he probably is unanimous on the second ballot, but I would not be shocked to see him not be a first first ballot Hall of Famer because of the sexual assault and rape issues he had early in his career. Is that a... Oh, Is that ahead. a fair recompense to the women that were assaulted? Absolutely not. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's just going to be part of his legacy forever. Uh, two Super Bowl championships. Um, he was MVP for one of those? Or for any? Yeah. He was for one. And, um, but I mean, played in the league for many, many years. Is there been a quarterback who was a Super Bowl MVP two times over who wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer? Well, he was, not a, he was not a Super Bowl MVP twice. Not MVP, but Super Bowl Holmes. winner. Super quarterback, Super Bowl winner twice. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Wait, well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> As a starter, you mean? As a starter, too. I guess I got to give you all of them, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's – no, no, there really Probably isn't. I mean, not. We're in, we're in that conversation of certain guys that, like – you know, the generation of the 80s and the 90s, like, um, Jeff Hostetler's not in the Hall of Fame. Jeff Hostetler won a Super Bowl as a starter and won as a backup. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... It doesn't count, but... It doesn't count, but I'm saying he got, you know, there's you two close. there. Yeah. And um, I don't know if Hostetler the, will. Yeah. No, he never will. Um, but all the quarterbacks of the 70s kind of made it in. Um, all the quarterbacks from the 80s kind of make it in. All the quarterbacks from the 90s, I mean, it's basically Steve Young and... Steve Young and Troy Aikman and a, and a couple other dudes. But, yeah, if you're a two-time winner, you're going in. For the most part, if you're a one-time winner, you're probably going in if you've had any sort of a career after that. Or well, before. and Roethlisberger, like you said, you know, you, you you can't tell the league's story without him over the last uh, decade so. Uh, so he would. The countdown starts as the, the year you retire, right? So he would be on the same countdown as Brady if Brady retires here too. And yeah. and the NFL could go with like saying we'll we'll put one big star quarterback a year on there. Yeah, it could work out quite well for uh, the NFL and, and passing on Roethlisberger for a season. But maybe to a degree, the NFL is like, no, if Brady retires, that means we can make the Hall of Fame all about Brady and kind of sweep the Ben Roethlisberger thing under the rug. And Big which, Ben is here too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Big Ben's here too. Don't worry about that guy. Uh, he's going to go in, but we're not going to talk to him. It's time uh, and friends. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're we're talking about a guy with Ben Roethlisberger, a man who has been married for 11 years to one woman, but definitely committed some fucking sexual assaults yeah. at a minimum and probably raped people. It's like, you know, okay, so this is the year they're going to put Tom Brady in and then he'll slide Ben Roethlisberger in, maybe a little Darren <laughs> Sharper's in there, maybe some uh, Kellen <laughs> no, Winslow Jr. Uh, no, I just, it keeps getting worse. <laughs> Tom, Tom Brady just becomes the scumbag dump. They go, yeah. Tom Brady into the Super Bowl. Also, we're, uh, for some reason, re-enshrining OJ. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. We just, it seemed like a good year to do it. Oh, there's a lot of scum that's playing the nfl is there not i mean it's the nfl is the world right the nfl is america we've talked about this a long time the there's nfl a is percentage, america yeah there's a percentage of criminals and some of those criminals are really fucking good at football and some of these pathologies that make you good at football make you a horrible person <laughs> and yeah, to a degree, that's fucking Big Ben, man. For that's every man ben. of the year philanthropist, there's a uh, you know Kellen Winslow Jr. who stalks old women and sexually harasses them. Ah, uh, boy, um, that's we, so fucked. I mean, we don't even talk about that anymore. That is super fucked up. Tangents. We can go on these tangents when there's only two games played a, a, a week. Um, I want to talk about the quarterback, or excuse me, the head coaches. The head coaches were are were all mm-hmm. hired, and that's being the. That is the big news here this week. So we've got a string of them. I've got one, two, three, four, I believe. Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett as head coach. He was the Packers offensive coordinator. So they got the guy who made Aaron Rodgers here. Is that what we're saying? Oh, yeah. No, Nathaniel Hackett clearly made Aaron Rodgers into who he is. He's been there for two full years. Um, but he has uh, run a very successful uh Packers offense over these last two years, um, number one seeds both years, and uh, maybe 
Aaron Rodgers loves him, and Aaron Rodgers comes over to to Denver because that's been uh, a, a connection even last year. So perhaps there's a bridge already being built there. But other than that, yeah, what do you think, Nathaniel Hackett, to a Broncos team? I, I think it's an interesting way to try to get uh, Aaron Rodgers to the Broncos as mm-hmm. well. Uh, but Nathaniel Hackett's a guy that we're talking about all these guys that have come from the Wonderkins, right? I mean, we're we're talking about the Super Bowl has a wonderkind and his wonderkind. Right. Uh, so if you're looking at if you're looking at a league and you go, all right, who can we get that knows an offense that is effective, that is balanced? Nathaniel Hackett showed you that he knows how to do that. Whatever that means in terms of his ability to bring in people to manage people, we don't know. We you never know until somebody becomes a head coach. There's really great coordinators that are shit head coaches. There's really decent coordinators that become masterful head coaches. But this is going to be... I mean, this is the best shot the Broncos have. They've got a decent offense that needs some honing. and Well, sorry. They've got decent, decent offensive weapons that need honing and to be turned into an offensive, efficient machine. And they've got a good defense where the window's still open over there. So if Hackett can come in and shorten that... that overhaul time from like two years to one year then it's well worth the hire to get that offensive back and running yeah uh you're right there's a lot of unknown when a uh first time head coach gets put in the spot so he's been in the league for a long time he's not a, a a young guy i think he you know he's been a coordinator for a long time there is a question of uh going with the side that isn't strong away you know away from your your strength and that's the, the Broncos strength has been defense and he's an offensive minded guy so it's interesting who will be the defensive coordinator hired here and how much success will he have taken over for Vic Fangio who put his guys in place there and then um uh for Nathaniel Hackett well, yeah, what he does at quarterback cuz that is the big Denver Broncos I don't know cuz you're right we <laughs> like their wide receivers uh Jim uh Javante Williams was a nice pickup here this year. Even Melvin Gordon had a little resurgence. So, yeah, what are they going to do there's, with quarterback? There's some talent on the offensive line. They've got, you know, Quinn Miners. They've got Garrett Bowles. There's some guys there. You know, they're one or two offensive pieces away from being really good. But one of those pieces, unfortunately, is quarterback. Right. So I think they're a desirable spot if you are a Frasian quarterback or you're a guy that's thinking about making a move. Yeah. Um, it's not bad. I mean, it could be a Garoppolo destination. Who knows? Bad. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. All right, and then uh, let's go with a team that is going to their strengths in terms of taking a defensive coordinator for a defensive-led team. That is the Chicago Bears. Matt Everflus, uh, head coach now. He was the Colts defensive coordinator. Interesting name here. This is one, Dan, you've talked about that you love a lot, but not one that I heard a lot of in the first slew of these are the head coach candidates this year. Um, none of your Cowboys coordinators, Buccaneers double coordinators, all of those guys. Here's Matt Everflus for the Colts. Well, uh, correct you, sir. Matt Eberflus is a former Dallas Cowboys coach. Okay. And, okay, that's uh, true. Was, was a Dallas Cowboys coordinators. That's, that's fair. Uh, was a Dallas Cowboys coach for six years. Um, he coached the linebackers, and he was the defensive passing game coordinator in some years where we were really fucking good from 2011 to 2017. So he's a guy that understands 3-4 defensive philosophies, 4-3 defensive philosophies. He's a guy that gets great pressure. He's a guy that basically made Sean Lee his career. Like, he turned Sean Lee into an effective linebacker. He turned Jalen Smith into an effective linebacker. And really, when he left, Jalen Smith took kind of a nosedive like he taught everything taught Jalen Smith everything he knew and then fucking bailed um you know he wasn't there for um he wasn't there for um what's my fucking (laughs) this is a bad sign means he's getting cut uh Van Der Esch but uh he had himself a nice little defense um when he went to the Indianapolis Colts to be the coordinator the the Cowboys were desperate to keep him um they couldn't and he went to Indy and he has turned that Indy team with a a guy like Darius Leonard turning linebackers who maybe weren't considered elite linebacker prospects into some of the game's best. The guy understands his position. He understands the importance of linebackers. And if there's any team in the NFL history that loves themselves some fucking linebackers, it is the Chicago Bears. This is a natural fit in terms of ethos and brand. I actually, 
I don't know why I didn't think about this. It's actually such a good fit in terms of like the core of who these people are to have Matt Eberflus be the head coach of the Chicago Bears. I think it's a great choice. Um, I feel bad for you. I feel bad for the rest of the <laughs> NFC North because I think this is a wonderful choice. Nobody's excited about Matt Eberflus, but that's just because they don't know him. The dude is fucking awesome. He's a great coach. He's been solid for years. He's been solid since uh, fucking Cleveland Browns. Um, he was a Cleveland Browns uh, linebacker coach before he was in Dallas because he was on Rob Ryan's staff before he came to Dallas. Okay. Um, it's interesting you brought up the linebackers and and the defenses he runs. I'm hearing that the Bears are going to switch to a 4-3 defense due to Eberflus being there. Um, the, yeah, this probably means some big things for, uh, help me out, Bears, young line. oh, Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith. Does it mean a fitting spot for Khalil Mack, who would be an outside rushing guy? Do they just put him down as like almost a defensive end standing on a 4-3? Well, yeah, I mean, this is... So, I, I've always said, and I think we talked about this a little bit offline, where Matt Eberflus is a sort of guy that coaches to talent. Okay. You know, Roquan Smith sets himself up as a really interesting 4-3 Mike. Khalil Mack sets himself up as an edge. And as we're talking about sort of hybridized schemes, it doesn't really matter what if you're 4-3 base or 3-4 base. You're going to get, you're going to put four dudes on the line to rush. Right, for the most part. You're going to put four guys on their line to rush. The advantage of a 3-4 versus a 4-3 is that sometimes the rush is surprising, whereas the 4-3 is more steady, consistent, and gives you a better run base and run fit. Okay. Um, Khalil Mack's an excellent run stopper. Khalil Mack is sized right for a pressure front 4-3 defensive end. Um, and with his speed, putting him in a situation where he's on the line and he still gets to use his first step uh, to great effect... I don't think we're going to notice a difference uh, between Khalil Mack, the linebacker, and Khalil Mack, the defensive end. I, I don't think there's going to be a huge difference in the way Eberflus uses him because he's not going to be beholden to his scheme. He's going to say, how can I make Khalil Mack the most successful? How can I make Roquan Smith the most successful? And that's what he's going to go towards. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, yeah, uh, I know you've been excited about him for the Bears. Uh, I talked to a lot of Bears fans, and they're like, well, I don't know. It's another Matt... Uh, head coach and another uh, uh, Ryan general manager. I was like, okay, that's true. They have the same first names. Um, moving on, <laughs> the Giants. The Giants hired Matt Dable as head coach. Oh, Brian uh, Dable. Oh, I heard, and I said Matt again. Yeah, I'm still up with Brian <laughs> everyone's Dable. Everyone's a Matt. Yeah, everyone's Matt. Brian Dable for the uh, offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, uh, Brian Dable was going to be a guy. I mean, this was one of those names that did get thrown around pretty continuously. He was a big candidate last year, too. I, I think the thing that helps Brian Dable specifically is he was the offensive coordinator during the time when Josh Allen moved from prospect to star. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very difficult sometimes to separate that between an offensive coordinator and the player. You know who's more, who's more responsible. The best thing you can do is walk away and say it's a symbiotic thing where Josh Allen obviously had the talent, and the work ethic, but Dable didn't overwhelm him, didn't put him in situations where he you know lost his confidence, and so that's the thing that I think New York making this hire is really hoping if they're going to stay with Daniel Jones, Brian Dable can come in and go, hey, listen. I've played with a quarterback who had excellent physical gifts but maybe had some accuracy issues and, and wasn't getting it done right away. I can get you to where you need to be. So I'm not excited about this hire because he's in my division, um, but I actually think this is great in terms of what New York is trying to do. Um, if I was Saquon Barkley, I'd ask for a fucking trade because, according to Brian Dable, running backs don't need to be on the roster. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's yeah. the one... But, you know, maybe that's maybe that actually is coming, and they're going to just be like, hey, what can we get for a, a Saquon with some tread to it? Take it off. <laughs> Saquon has proven that he can uh, bless you, that he can catch you out of the backfield. I saw that uh, lately. But the one thing, yeah, about Matt, uh, uh, Brian Dable is um, I, I, when Josh Allen came into the league, he was a specific prospect in one way. I think – Daniel Jones is the exact opposite. Like, well, he was more accurate, not a lot of athleticism, 
Uh, the arm strength isn't as good, whereas the non-accurate, ridiculous arm strength and athleticism of Josh Allen, like they're both two two sides of a coin there. I Ooh, like I... how they came out and said, like, Daniel Jones is going to be the future guy and we're going to work around him. And I, I believe that until you see another quarterback you like that you could pick up, and then it's that oh, guy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's <laughs> it's just one of those things where you go – no, we we definitely we're gonna go with this guy. Uh, except uh, now we're not anymore. Fuck him. Yeah. So, but I think Daniel Jones gives you the best option to just say like, "Hey, we're gonna kick the tires on this guy for one more year, and if it doesn't go, it doesn't go. Yeah. Um, and if it goes, and we gotta pay him more money, fuck, that's not so bad. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I do disagree. Daniel Jones actually was a phenomenal athlete coming out of college. Okay. Um, and and has proven to be an excellent, you know, runner of the football. Has no, his his issue now is accuracy. His issue is read and feel, which Dable might be able to help him with. Because um, yeah, I mean, if you remember Josh Allen taken in twenty eighteen, he Brian Dable has been his only offensive coordinator his entire career, and from where he was his rookie season, where he was erratic, ran like a deer, w- had these standout you know physical plays but then was just make bad decision after bad decision to where he is where he took the the chiefs to the wire in that divisional game you got to give some of that credit to brian dable a lot of it to josh allen but yeah if if you're looking for a quarterback whisperer i think brian dable's one of the only legitimate ones we have here okay and then uh the only other head coach hiring full hiring so far is the las vegas raiders and josh mcdaniels Josh McDaniels getting his second stint at head coach uh, after the Broncos a long time ago. Um, And that was after also the Raiders hired GM Dave Ziegler about the same day. I think these hirings were almost boom, boom. Um, That is, uh, that's that's how the Raiders do things, and that's all set up for them. Well, they're both Patriots. You know, this is another kind of Patriots way hiring, which... uh, once again, we were talking offline. People seem to forget that just because you got some Patriots doesn't mean you got Bill Belichick. Mm. Uh, you know, Josh McDaniels tried to bring the Patriot way west before, and it didn't go. Um, Dave Ziegler might be the difference maker. He might be, you know, they might have a great symbiosis. They might have uh, each other's, you know, brainwaves and just be locked in. But, uh, yeah, if Josh McDaniels doesn't get rid of Derek Carr, I'm going to feel very different about this hire. If Josh McDaniels gets rid of Derek Carr and then tries to go on like a recruiting spree or a scouting spree, I'd be very worried. Be very worried. Um, Josh McDaniels, to his credit, we've, I've talked shit about him for a long time, but to his credit, Mac Jones would not have been as successful on another team. Without a doubt. Would not have been as successful on another team. Mac <laughs> Jones in that game in Buffalo where he threw the ball three times. Right. That's actually excellent offensive coordination. I know it seems a little chintzy, but to understand exactly who you have on your offense, what they're capable of doing, and what would undo your team, brilliant. He knew he's not going to be throwing it in those 30, 40 mile an hour wins. He said, let's run this fucking ball and see what we can do. So Josh McDaniels is a good offensive coordinator. He has been for a long time, was with Brady, was with Mac Jones, probably will be with Derek Carr. I'd still worry about his people management. Um, because, you know, he was really young when he took that role. He's a little bit older now, but how much has he really, really learned? I guess we'll find out in year one. It's interesting uh, move now. I feel like he passed on many times, even after Denver. People offered him uh, head coach. The Colts job. Yeah, yeah, he had the the Colts job and backed off that one to stay in New England. So there's been so many opportunities to leave, but now Las Vegas Raiders willing to come back in there. I mean, it's a it's probably the nicest situation to jump into. It's it's one of the newest stadiums. You got everything else that's new there in Vegas because they had to build it from the ground. Uh, you've got a playoff team <laughs> that you're walking back into. The head coach, he was though one that I thought was like quintessential and completely changing over Broncos when he took over was Josh McDaniels going to have Josh McDaniels players in there. Like there's those head coaches where it's like when it's my turn to take over, I'm going to make sure that I I get my guys in place. 
So does he change up a Raiders team that isn't in need of a full rebuild, full blow up? I don't know. So yeah, I mean, these are the things that will become evident shortly. That's true. Um, I I think it is a it's not a bad hire. You know, this is a guy with experience. It's been over a decade, so it doesn't feel as bad of a retread, even though it is a retread. Um, this is a guy that is, you know. He's done his shit. Um, he's gotten his name back up to where he wants it. And I, I think this will be good. I think if he can make the offense... I mean, the offense of the Vegas Raiders was actually kind of similar to like some proto-New England offenses of like early Tom Brady shit. Um, except Derek Carr is obviously more advanced than early Tom Brady was. Um, I, I think best-case scenario. Best-case scenario he turns this team into a top 10 offense. But I think the defense will slip uh, mm. no matter what. I just think it will. I, I don't think I, – I love Bisaccia in that role. I just think the defense is going to take a little bit of a step back because um, they got a lot of talent there, but how much of it will bristle with McVay well, we McDaniels? Are, yeah, we are already on to our second generation of uh, general manager and head coach in Vegas, like pretty much Mayock and Gruden were there to start Vegas. So, yeah, let's see how take two goes. There we go, uh, Mark Davis. I feel like it's just him back there going, like ya, you're in. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that first guy, he knocked on wood if I was with him. That was fun. <laughs> Anyways, um, so this leaves us with, uh, by my count, five open head coaching positions still needed to be hired. Uh, one of them being my Minnesota Vikings. I think they're getting close. I feel like they'll be this week. Uh, the Houston Texans are doing their interviews still. Miami Dolphins are as well. The New Orleans Saints and still, amazingly, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I thought I I heard that uh, it was Brian Leftwich's job, that the GM was gone too, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. Trent Belke, I think, is still in there. I think that's the big issue of filling the head coaching position right now. But, uh, yeah, anything on those five, Dan? Um, yeah, I, <laughs> the, the rumor is that Byron Leftwich wants a new GM. Yeah. And if you're the GM that's doing the hiring of the head coach, you're like, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree that I should be fired. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if that's the deal breaker and Byron Leftwich wants to stay another year on a Tom Brady-less Tampa Bay, I mean, that could actually be great for his uh, career if he keeps Tampa Bay churning at that level that Tom Brady was at with no Tom Brady. I, I think he's the number one uh, coordinator pick next year. But Do you, you think know, he does that? I think it's possible if he doesn't – I think Bruce Arians is probably in his ear going, dude, if you don't have the situation to be successful, you'll fail. Right. So if it's not the best situation, if the Jacksonville Jaguars is not the best situation for you, wait. That's true too. Yeah. Yeah. He's got He's got the history there. He was the uh, a drafted uh, starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, in the early 2000s, so he's got that kind of going for him. But you're right, yeah. So there's a lot of mess still going on there. He knows that Balky needs to get out of there. We'll see. Uh, okay, and then do you want to talk anything about the Chiefs cornerback, Damon Arnett, getting arrested in Vegas right before the kickoff? Uh, no, Assault really. with a deadly weapon. So he was immediately released from the Chiefs. They didn't need him for the championship game. Damon uh, Arnett is a moron. This Wednesday on uh, Groundhog Day, we will be getting the release of the Washington Commanders it's all but decided that it will be the commanders. Um, uh, was Boomer Sison was lied to. <laughs> it was not the admirals or whatever. Or he's he, full of shit. Yeah, he heard. Uh, so it's the commanders, and that we'll we'll hear about the these uh you know the the new logos and uniforms, all that stuff uh, next week. Dan, I'm gonna I'm gonna really get into it with you. So you better <laughs> you better study up. Oh, I'll be I'll be ready to go. You know me. Um, and other than that, let's jump into the games. We could take a break, but what's the need when we're in these uh, late uh, season games? We don't have a two minute. We got two games, so um, let's start with the overtime one. Let's start in the AFC. Bengals Chiefs. The Cincinnati Bengals are going on to the Super Bowl because they win it twenty seven to twenty four. Quite the comeback this game. Twenty one to three to start it, where the Chiefs start off scoring all 
touchdowns on their first three drives, uh, and the Bengals get back in there right before the half, and then that silly thing at halftime. We'll pick. We'll start there. Uh, there halftime is an interesting thing because this really was this was the tale of two halves. Hmm. I heard an excellent stat recently, which was uh, I don't know if this is a crazy stat for you, but um, Patrick Mahomes' quarterback rating in the first half eh, was one forty nine. Perfect is like one fifty eight or one fifty three point eight. His quarterback rating in the second half was zero. Goof. That is such a tremendous difference. It is honestly unbelievable. Um, this Bengals team didn't look out of it at all. Like they looked like the Kansas City Chiefs were a better team in the first half, but they stayed with it. They made sure that they had that amazing goal line stand at the you know the end of the first half. Um, they had a nice touchdown pass from Joe Burrow to Samaje, uh, Joe Burrow to Samaje Pirine, which was great. I mean, as soon as Mixon leaves, uh, Pirine's like, I'm I'm getting this ball out of the fucking backfield. Great run. Uh, a lot of that was Samaje Pirine. It wasn't just Joe Burrow. Yeah, just the screen. It was great. Just a simple screen, but it was really effective, and it uh, it was what Cincinnati needed. Um, there was a long drive uh, in terms of yardage, but not too much in terms of time. So. It was great. The first quarter felt like it kind of – it was almost like Kansas City was rope-a-doping them. Mm-hmm. Like Kansas City wasn't like putting them away, and they could have. They were just toying with them. That's kind of how this whole game kind of felt, is the Kansas City was toying with them and didn't take them seriously, and it wound up biting them really, really badly. That's what it felt like at the end of the first half and the end of the game, especially when they were right there ready to score. It's like this is what the Chiefs do, and and the because fir- the first three touchdowns look so easy, like – Touchdown two, where Mahomes is sidearming it to uh, Kelsey, and it's just easy. And you're like, all right, you know, you're laughing at this because you're like, I've seen it for the last four years. He's so good at this, and and the Bengals, though their defense not too bad, have no answer for this. So I felt like that's what it was going to be, but everybody was like reassuring you, like, but the Bengals, you know, can always just start on fire at any time, and that's what they've been. That's why they're here. They're the hottest team right now. So they did. Um, they got that touchdown. You're right. That screen made it 10 to 21. And then the Chiefs, you're right, toying with them, not wanting to, like, not getting it in the end zone, running the clock all the way down, and then deciding that they had the time to throw a screen to the side to Hill instead of anywhere in the end zone, anywhere out the back of the end zone. So you had time at least to kick a field goal, coming with nothing. So it is 21 10 at the half instead of a a full two touchdown lead could have been 24 to 10. Um, we go into halftime and the, uh, CBS guys are on the field and they (laughs) need to break down this game. (laughs) They got to tell us what's going on. But the only thing I can hear is, well, double down Applebee's in the dirt night. What? Which is, in fairness, better than listening to Phil Sims. <laughs> well, uh, Phil Sims, yeah. Oh boy, this, uh, that was fucking hilarious, dude. I mean, that's I, because I, I, you know, as I am a father of three, I was like, halftime, I got to go do other shit. Uh, and you're like, oh my god, this fucking halftime is unwatchable. I was like, oh, just because of Boomer Esiason and Phil Sims, <laughs> that seems normal. Uh, I had no idea. I'm also way out of it. I had no idea who this fucking Applebee's guy was. Oh, I've uh, only heard the song through shit online but yeah it's awful and and you know yeah can't city missouri it's a little rural so here's a, a little, uh, slightly here's a um country singer you know the, the hit guy there but somebody didn't say don't put a speaker like right behind the desk <laughs> of the cbs guys and everybody to their effect tried to ignore it Except for Boomer, which I was glad because Boomer's like, I have no idea what any of you guys are saying. Did you say this yet? I'm going to say this. Oh. I mean, why are you pretending that you're not? Yeah. <laughs> there's not a banshee screaming in your ear. It was it, like, I mean. And timed up perfectly, too. As soon as James Brown's like, well, here comes the head dash. I was like, and hey, ladies and gentlemen, get loud. <laughs> I mean, it, to that point, I, I do love that sometimes people are like, I know reality is occurring, but I have to do this TV show. Mm-hmm. Boomer Esiason is at least like, listen, I, I can't fucking do this. No <laughs> this one can stupid. do this. Uh, uh. But it, it's great. I mean, 
Apparently, that was all the Cincinnati Bengals needed was just to listen to that Applebee's That's song. right. They got themselves back into the game. They got them fired up. No, it was three minutes left in the third quarter that we finally had some more points. It was the 31-yard field goal, making it 13-21. to 21. Uh, It didn't feel like that was going to be enough until Mahomes throws the ball directly to B.J. Hill, uh, uh, defensive tackle there, just right to him, and... That's something. So, Mahomes is immediately do my bad, my bad. That's something that he's done this season more and then his entire career is these interceptions where you're like, whoa, what was that to? And it just looks like, yeah, it's slipping out of his hand. It's, it, it, he's getting too relaxed with it. He just assumes that he can make those throws and it's like, no, you know, kind of throw. I don't know. I, I think that's a great point. We're talking about. He's just too relaxed. He was too relaxed. Yeah. Um, and that's the fucking bizarre thing. Like, this Kansas City team put it back together in the middle of the season, and no one could stop them. They were fucking unbelievable. But they, the Bengals beat them like this in Week 17, and they didn't learn anything from it. It was literally the exact same score at halftime in Week 17 when the Bengals came Oof. back from an 11-point deficit and beat them the same fucking way. Yeah. It, yeah. Just being overly relaxed to that point, too cute, too cute at the end of the first half, too cute at the end of the second half, too cute at the end of the game, and then you throw this deep fucking interception because all of a sudden you decide, oh, it's second and ten, or it's third and ten, I'm going to just fucking try Tyreek Hill. Double coverage, fucking terrible decision. Terrible decision. I don't understand what he was doing. Yep. But yeah. it's too relaxed, too chill. They, uh... It was you're right because once they went into overtime, Eli Apple drops an interception initially, oh, and then oof. the very next play is I'm gonna get this thing thirty yards down the field and bad idea double covered and when double covered happens that's when these tipped interceptions happen so Von Bell yeah Von Bell intercepting it well <laughs> I want to go back though first of all too as we went into overtime and the funniest thing is. Chiefs win that coin toss and the crowd goes nuts because Kansas City, you know, has this feeling of it just takes us getting the ball first. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And it did this time work out that they got the ball first but didn't get it in. So it's not a guarantee. It's not a fail safe. All of these, like, playoffs need to be changed because it's not fair things. Like, that gets put to bed too because of this. Yeah. Like, all of that stuff where it's this way it's black and white in the in the Chiefs, you know, minds or whatever changed on all of this. It's wild that it did, but as soon as this interception by Von Bell, then you're like, oh boy, McPherson has not missed. And he just did a fifty two yarder earlier in this game to take the lead for the first time in the game. So yeah, we get to see him take the win here too. And sure enough, they got in there. I mean the the walk off was thirty one. So it was a almost a gimme by that point. Uh, that drive after the interception was, yeah, them kind of imposing their will on a very tired Chiefs defense. And and that's the other thing is at that point the Chiefs defense was fucking gassed. And it doesn't matter. I mean, <laughs> you had invigorated – this is the thing. They invigorated the, Chief, the Bengals defense twice. They invigorated them at the end of the first half. When they had them on the ropes, yeah. they invigorated them. They invigorated them at the end of the second half, the end of regulation, with that huge Sam Hubbard strip sack. It was two nowhere. sacks Those... in a row of Mahomes standing back there with all the time in the world and going, now I'm going to run backwards. Yeah, and that and you're right. And then he drops that ball, and they didn't even, they almost didn't even have the chance to tie it up at end of regulation. Like, Getting that would too have been cute. Huge. It was. It was. This is what happens. You do not, you do not let Joe Burrow back into the fucking game. I thought that's the way this was going to end. To your point, when that <laughs> that coin toss went out, I was like, "Fuck, Joe Burrow is going to be on the sidelines for this." What a fucking what an end of the game. And as soon as he got back onto the field, it felt the exact opposite. Where I was like, "Oh, this game's fucking over. Joe yeah. Burrow's about to end this motherfucker." And, you can't uh, and do that's it, exactly yeah. what happened. Congratulations to Cincinnati. It's been so long. <sighs> it's been so long since they had a win in the playoffs, and now they're going to the Super Bowl. God, yeah. fantastic. So so great for them. And we love Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is one of the only elite grades we've given to a quarterback shit ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're, this yeah. is a guy that 
It's year in his five. second year. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's in his second year. He's taking this team to the Super Bowl, and he is taking them because it is not just his play on the field. It is the fucking feeling that you get with that guy in the pocket. It's Mahomes level. It's you know, it's Rogers level. It's that feeling you get when the guy's on the field. That's a comforting feeling, not a relaxing feeling, <laughs> but just knowing like, hey, we're we're gonna be okay if we all do our job. This guy's gonna get us to the promised land, and now he has that Joe Cool feeling. Yeah, I, I think I texted you early on too. In the first half, it felt like he was dancing around a little bit, not a little unsure. Yeah, certainly settled down the second half. He threw for two fifty, two touchdowns. He did have one pick. They kind of took Jamar Chase away. He had the one touchdown there before the two-point conversion to tie it up at 21. But then he leaned on Higgins and and had more weapons there. I think Tyler Boyd's still there too. He didn't really show up too much here, but that's another guy in case they do take away. Like you said, Joe Mixon uh, in and out over 100 yards from scrimmage total. But Mm -hmm. Sam J.P. Ryan, yeah, is a nice balance in there too. So the Bengals have everything, surprisingly enough, in like a blink. Uh, they didn't have an offensive line. They ignored that. Apparently, yeah. you were okay with it. Uh, that's another. So Bengals with the you know going Jamar Chase and stuff like that just kind of proved like we're gonna focus on what we're already good at. We're gonna give you know the success around Burrow here with some weapons over the protection first, which uh, is not usually a sign of success. But here we are. Well. I do want to talk about the Bengals' offensive line when we talk about the next game. Okay. Uh, and who they're going to be facing because uh, I have some issues. Yeah, I can see that being a problem. Um, here's a stat. Uh, we can call it a crazy stat before. Uh, after the halftime, the Chiefs had seven total drives amounting to 83 yards, two interceptions, and just three points. Ooh. Yeah, Jesus just disappeared. They disappeared in the second half, and that's what lost them this season. And I thought of it too when I watched the Bengals kick that because uh, wife came down and watched a little bit in the first half, and I'm like, it's twenty-one to three or something. And she saw the Bengals touchdown make it twenty-one ten because I was like, yeah, the the Chiefs are destroying them here. Like, I don't really care one way or the other, but I'd like a tighter game. And she's like, oh well, there you go. The Bengals got a touchdown, then disappeared, and then I had to text her later like it's tied. <laughs> Like, look at this. Um, so we watch it complete, and the Bengals kick that one in, and I just remember these games from the 90s of a very good Chiefs team losing a playoff game at home. That's what it felt like again. No one has lost more championship games than Andy Reid. Yeah, than Andy Reid. No one. It is. No one has lost more championship games than Andy Reid. It's honestly fucking amazing. But he's still one of the greatest coaches of all time. So he got two of these teams really far in the playoffs consistently. Yeah, Pat Mahomes is going to need to go back to the drawing board a little bit um, this offseason. The Chiefs are, to a degree, going to need to go back to the drawing board. They've got all the pieces to be right back in this thing. But I think this will be a lesson. This will be a thing they talk about for the rest of the year. Is like It doesn't matter how much more talented you are. It doesn't matter. You can never let up. Never let up. Don't wait for somebody to give you an opportunity to get back in the game. Never, ever let up because this is exactly what happens. A less talented team will beat you in your own house because mm-hmm. you take your foot off the throat. Um, and then, yeah, the only thing I have for this game was uh, they did lose uh, their tight end, Uzama, f- with a knee injury, but it seems like he's going to be okay, so he might be able yep. to play for the Super Bowl. you got two weeks there. Get healthy. You'd like to see uh, all the teams at full strength just to kind of see how oh, well yeah. – yeah how well they can play against their best players. Um, All right, well, let's segue into the other game, which was also a three-point decision. Uh, This one didn't go into overtime, but, uh, you know, you can only take so much amazing football in in a span of a couple (laughs) weeks. 17-20, to the L.A. Rams win this one. Also a comeback. Also, they were down by two scores. Uh, It was 17-7. to at one point in the third quarter, fourth quarter, third quarter mm-hmm. at least. Third quarter. Um, yeah, in this one, uh, yeah, Garoppolo didn't have a great game. Debo Samuel kind of got held down as best they could, 98 total yards from scrimmage. Matthew Stafford, over 300 yards, uh, you know, through an interception. My MVP, I'll call him my MVP, Cooper Cup, again, <laughs> Fair. Came up big, 11 catches, 142 yards, two scores. 
Um, yeah, both these teams kind of started slow, but middle of the second quarter was Cup's first touchdown. They answer it with that Debo Samuel screen that just was like, yeah, this stuff happens. <laughs> Debo is good at this. Seven all, but a missed field goal uh, by Gay and a made field goal by Gould. Uh, off the miss, they just turned around and made it a one. The Niners have the lead at the half, 10-7. And that's where it, we start. Yeah, I was feeling a little deja vu after that Matt Gay miss. I was like, oh, my God, is this exactly the way it happened against the fucking Packers? Uh, where it's a block kick leads to uh, leads to a kick of your own, Turn and it it really did feel at that point like holy shit, San Francisco has turned the tide. Like L.A. was beating them significantly. Like L.A. was really getting to Garoppolo defensively. Uh, you know they were really shutting down Debo Samuel. the The Forty ers offense was not happening, and the defense wasn't getting much pressure either. So when that happened, and it was like wow, San Francisco was instead of going in down 14 nothing or you know 10-7 they're going in with the lead that was fucking huge um the fact that San Francisco came out and still was not flat coming out into the second half made me very very worried but the LA Rams are just so fucking talented yeah. they are just so talented there's just so many weapons and to your point Cooper Cup just decided that every third down he was going to get a first down he has some drives where he just takes over too. Um, Kittle had the touchdown late third quarter, makes it seventeen to seven. So there was a little bit thereafter for halftime of not a whole lot from both defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, Cups touchdown quickly thereafter makes it seventeen to fourteen, and then juice check fumbles. Um, the the uh, Rams get it back. They should have handed it right back. Jaquiski Tart has an interception, mm. drops it. Uh, Stafford gives you those, and you got to take them when he gives them to you. But they didn't hear, and that leads to a field goal 40 yards out. All of a sudden, we're tied at 17-all, under seven minutes left. Then Ramsey drops an interception, hits him in the shoulder pads. Jalen Ramsey don't drop, does not drop those, does it, there? And you're like, oh, boy. Uh, we are all tied up still, um, but nothing happens with the Niners. Again, the Niners' offense at this point has just kind of lost it all. Um, 30-yard field goal by the Rams with under two minutes left. Uh, they take the lead, and the pressure finally starts in on Garoppolo. That that interception, I get what he was trying to do. If it doesn't sky on him, he gets a little bit more yards and doesn't make it third down fourth down in a mile whatever it was going to be there like insurmountable to get that first down so we try to get something to get it out to the guy but yeah just an awful throw goes over his head into the next player's hands and that's it Uh, well it it hit his receiver in the hands i well it was very high but yeah it was very high it was not a good obviously not a good throw but it was like (laughs) "Ah, i did hit your hands yeah but i mean it I think I texted you at the time. That was the most. That was the Garoppoloiest <laughs> way for him to end his career at the Niners. Is just a panicked fucking throw to the other team's safeties. Like it just. That's that exactly who Garoppolo has been. Yeah, that's probably it for him. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no reason to keep him around. There's zero reason to keep him around. It's not like he had you at the gates of heaven. <laughs> you know, this with a better quarterback. I don't know if the 49ers don't win this game. I mean, he yeah. threw for just over, he completed just over 50% of his passes, had 30 attempts and just over 200 yards. That's not good enough. And he's got weapons like Debo Samuel, Elijah Mitchell, Brandon Ayuk, who's really fucking good, George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in the league. You have surrounded this man with weapons. You've given him one of the best left tackles in the NFL. You've given him a really solid offensive line, and this is all he can do for you. You've got to try something else. Even if that something else isn't better, you've got to try something else. It was an interesting game for the Niners. They even when they were up, they even they, after that Kittle touchdown, I was like, "Well, it's working." But this isn't a Niners team I usually remember. Not through the playoffs, they didn't play like that. Uh, it was a lot more on the ground stuff here. I think the Rams forced them to have to throw it more. I mean, Aaron Donald will change your your gameplay every time, and I think they were a little scared to just run the ball at him. So screens and the the forcing Garoppolo to throw it more than than they kind of wanted to. I think 
you needed to get Debo out on the outside and do all that stuff, and they didn't. They shied away from that because of what the Rams were showing them. Uh, the Rams on their side lost their tight end Higby to a knee injury as well, but it seems like it's not an, a major injury. MCL sprain, he could be back too. So it's interesting how both of these teams going to the Super Bowl had injuries to their tight ends' knees that, uh, knock on wood, should be okay. Should be okay. And even if they're not, it's a wash. Yeah, and <laughs> so it's pretty good. even, except the Rams, I think, are already down some tight ends. I don't know. Um, both those guys, yeah, aren't uh, the uh, cream of the crop when it comes to tight ends in the league. But here we are, Bengals-Rams. Yeah, Any first of all, anything more about this 49ers-Rams uh, uh, NFC championship? No, I mean, this is – we've talked about this a lot. Philosophically, it's such a, a different fucking thing mm-hmm. where you're looking at the Bengals and you're looking at the Rams. The Bengals who have – built this thing over, you know, it's been three years with the same head coach and they've done it through the draft and there's no real free agents there. It's just, these are technically homegrown players. And then you have the Rams, which are just a murderer's row of talented, not mercenaries because they were traded there most of the time, uh, but just really talented players. They're like, please, please, please give me a fucking Super Bowl. There is though Um, some weird stat that the Rams have more drafted players on their roster this year than other teams do. like personally oh, drafted yeah, yeah weird yeah, because enough. they can't afford <laughs> yeah they can't that's afford true. to go sign anybody they have to have the the rest are players. all traded draft picks for those players that they're paying exactly the butt for yeah <laughs> yeah you're like hey uh, wow we have 37th round picks like well yeah they never see the fucking field and we're paying them a hundred thousand dollars a year of course we we fill the back end of the roster with them but if they win this Super Bowl, it all it all uh, worked, <laughs> you know. It all it yeah. all fits. It is Super Bowl LVI, Super Bowl Fifty Six. What are we gonna call this one, Dan? LVI. Uh, ooh, VI. Ooh, Super I'll, Bowl I'll think about it. Levi in LA, because it's not in Levi Stadium, which is in San Francisco, and it doesn't even have <laughs> LVI. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, Sunday, February thirteenth. 5:30 p.m. Um, there's a big whole thing about the uh, the the logo with the palm trees in a uh, orange and reddish tint that looks like it's a blood spatter. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I hope not. Well, that's that. No, seriously, was like a thing that that came out this last week where they're talking about like, oh, do people do we need to change it like last minute? Take a look at it if you want to pull it up. Uh, it's it's not too. It's not too bad. It's just shaded red. It doesn't yeah. look like blood they, look, they look like palm trees. Technically, they are yeah, palm, palm trees. Um, it's <laughs> if you had a worse graphic artist, I can see where they're coming from. Yeah, L.A. Rams. It's Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the L.A. Rams are the second team in a row and the second team ever in history to play a home Super Bowl <laughs> again here in L.A. Yeah. Now, uh, as last year was Tampa, the. Um, the Rams are are not technically the home team, though. As as it switches from AFC to NFC every year, it is the Bengals' choice. Uh, I do think they get their uh, locker room, though, and then the uh, Bengals will get the other one. From what I heard, there isn't a home and a road team uh, locker rooms in the LA Stadium, SoFi Stadium. It is the Rams' locker room and the Chargers' locker room. Okay, so you don't get like a crappy locker room as a visitor. No, it's in still that stadium. it's still pretty good. I mean, if you're a visitor, this is where you want to play for two reasons. Number one, nice accommodations. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's not like you got to deal with the home crowd because uh, <laughs> there fucking isn't one. Yeah, you know there were mostly Niners in that stadium. Oh yeah, and, uh, and Leonardo DiCaprio, but it was mostly Niners <laughs> fans there. Uh, for the entire game, and I think they will be mostly Bengals fans in this Super Bowl. Super Bowls are always weird because, like, you and I could go to a Super Bowl that neither of our teams are in, and it wouldn't be strange. Like, sure. it's it's the big festive celebration. It is what it is. But, yeah, if you're a Bengals fan, you are selling everything to go to this game. And if you're a Rams fan, I would like to meet you because <laughs> I haven't met any of you. I've I haven't met a Rams fan. We haven't we uh, haven't had when we have our fans on the show. We don't have a Bengals or a Rams fan to turn to, do we? Uh, we definitely don't have a, a Rams fan to turn to. Um, but no, we haven't we haven't had any Bengals fans either. Not that I can remember. Wow. Maybe now, you know, maybe they'll be young. Maybe you know, ten years from now, we'll be talking about 
you know, diehard Bengals yeah. fans that love yeah. themselves some Joe Burrow. But. That's and that's true. That's what makes it easier to find him. <laughs> He's a little success. How about it? Um, this is the youngest head coach matchup by age in Super Bowl history ever. Sean McVay, 36. Zach Taylor, 38. Um, so there you go. That's making us feel old. Uh, Both um, former, uh, you know, Zach Taylor, former Rams offensive coordinator. Zach Taylor is actually from the, the Sean McVay coaching tree, is he not, right? Yeah, so he is. He's his old, he's his old offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there's going to be so many more stats we can give you about the Super Bowl. We get next week to talk about it too, to really uh, preview it. But this is our matchup, Rams Bengals. Um, I'm assuming we we want to give this a week and uh, do our picks next week. Um, we can do our picks next week, but um, I would challenge anybody uh, this weekend to watch the offensive lines of the Cincinnati Bengals and the defensive line of the L.A. Rams <laughs> and come away with a different feeling than the one I'm coming away with. I did pick the Buccaneers last year against yeah. the Chiefs, yeah. and the primary reason was, well, holy shit, look at that offensive line. I, you know me. When I scout, I scout line out. If you're if you got a stout defensive line and a stout offensive line, I think you can really compete with anybody. I worry about this Bengals offensive line. I'm really really worried. We'll talk about it more like next week. I'll do more scouting on these offensive conditions because maybe it's just AFC to NFC. But uh, yeah, it's it's looking good for LA. Was it offenses win games, defensive win championships? That's where I started. Uh, What's interesting is points. Uh, Bengals gave up 376 total for the season. The the Rams four fewer, just four points fewer, and they uh, also Rams gave up 101 fewer yards. But just that, like they were so close in the standings yeah. there. And um, I I will I said this that there aren't a lot of free agents on the Bengals. There's one really big free agent, which is Trey Hendrickson, yeah. who has absolutely earned that fucking money. Yeah. Yeah, uh, both teams have have a defense, so it's going to be an interesting pick. Yeah, I'm leaning a certain way too. I'll give it a week and I'll decide from there. But that's then the show we have for this week, ladies and gentlemen. That was the championship weekend, uh, and we got a good slew of head coaches uh, in too, with uh, about half ready to be hired. So thank you guys for joining us for that episode of the Push Out Podcast. We do this every week. Uh, we are on our way for the Super Bowl, so we'll be back next week to preview that. Uh, in the meantime, there is a Pro Bowl that will be happening. I guess what? we'll talk a little bit about what happens on that, but that is this Sunday, <sighs> February Fine. 6th at 2 o'clock. Um, if you're like me, you'll see the uh, highlights on YouTube on Monday morning <laughs> instead of you know reading emails. Seven on sevens. Make an offensive lineman run a pass pattern seven on sevens make it happen nfl it's the better option there was like that one year where uh you know you had uh kamara playing quarterback and throwing yeah touchdown passes to uh jalen ramsey there was some weird shit going on like let's do yeah, some of that why not okay dan i got crazy stats shoot all right here we go um if if Tom Brady retires, there is just one QB in this league with multiple Super Bowl rings. <laughs> you know who this is, Dan. I do, Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> it's technically Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, that's wild. All right, uh, another one. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals have $25 million in cap space after this year to get better than this. Uh, that makes them the they'll be the fourth most cap space in the league technically you know as a what's the the preview heading into it because we're not there yet whereas the other side of the afc championship game patrick mahomes's cap hit goes from seven million this year to 36 million next oh boy that's a lot of money <laughs> um akib talib Emmanuel Sanders and now Von Miller have become three players who all left Denver only to make it to the Super Bowl their very next year. Sorry. It's good luck. Sorry, Broncos. And then finally, uh, this is just a weird one for me. This is a first time in 43 years that the starting QBs of both for the Super Bowl will be wearing the same number. 
Interesting. In 43 years, the last time was Bradshaw and Staubach. Oh, yeah. Twelves, baby. The twelves. All twelves. Now it's all nines. Uh, and it's wild that it's the nines that, that actually hit here for quarterbacks. Like, not a lot of nines usually, but whatever. Hey, there's a, I'm a Romo fan. Yeah, Romo, Romo was fan. a nine. I, I thought, like, Jim McMahon. <laughs> he went he went uh, to the Super was Bowl. Was he eight? A, no, Jim McMahon was nine. Was he nine? Yeah. Eight was uh, Grossman and... Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a, Steve Young. There's been a lot of eight Super Bowl QBs, but... Anyways, those yeah. are my crazy trying stats. To, trying to place. Oh, Drew Brees! Drew Brees is a nine. Yeah, that's true. Drew Brees but is a he, nine. He was only there once, and he played uh, Peyton. No, Peyton, right? Yeah, 18. Yeah, he played Peyton. Um, that's it, you guys. That's our show. Thank you guys uh, so much. Uh, Dan, please, parting words of wisdom. This is not the time to get excited for the Super Bowl. You have a few days to kind of look at the season past, think about your life, think about where you are, think about where your team is. Don't be despondent, don't be critical, don't be excited. Just take these days and kind of view the season as a retrospect. As of the conclusion of the Pro Bowl, gird your loins, everybody, because it's a fucking Super Bowl, and we don't know how this is going to work out. I mean, Scott and I haven't made our picks, we have our feelings, but... Hey, half the time we're fucking wrong about Super Bowls. Mm. The Patriots were not supposed to win that first one. They were not supposed to beat the greatest show on turf. There's always a surprise around the corner. So take this week as a retrospective, and then as of Sunday evening, boom, get excited for two weeks from now, the Super Bowl. All right. Yeah, that's awesome. Gird them. Gird those loins. <laughs> we are you and I are both men with fruitful loins, so occasionally they do need girding. <laughs> there it is. All right, everybody. Well, thank you. On that note, I am Scott, and this is Dan. Uh, enjoy, I guess, the Pro Bowl. Enjoy your weekend off, and we'll we'll talk about the Super Bowl next week. Goodbye. Gird your loins. <laughs> <laughs>